0: This is the Men's Muster Podcast, Episode Two. Welcome to the Men's Muster Podcast. My name is Alex Rodriguez. I'm the host and also the founder of the Men's Muster Ministry, a men's discipleship ministry that's aimed at just doing that, seeing men discipled and deployed for Christ and his kingdom. Today, we're going to be beginning a series called Godly Manhood. And so I'm really excited about this, really excited for the next few podcasts to be looking at old sermons by some just amazing saints that God has used over the years and just discussing with you guys these applications and what it means to be a man of God. And so today we're going to be looking at an excerpt that actually comes from a book called The Travels of True Godliness. Um, This excerpt is titled True Godliness Described. Um, So this book is very similar to Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Uh, It was an allegory and it was showing the journey of the Christian life. Uh, during the 18th century, it was actually considered by many to be just as popular as Bunyan's classic. And this book, um, The Travels of True Godliness, and what we're looking at today, was written by a gentleman named Benjamin Keach. Um, what I want to do before jumping in is give a little bit of a summary on... Who this man Benjamin Keach was. Every time we have a podcast, I'm not going to always give background because some of these men are going to be very familiar. But I wanted to introduce Benjamin Keach because he's not as well known, but he is a treasure chest of truth and wisdom. And I think it's really important to expose you guys uh, to Benjamin Keach and a little bit of his writings. And so he was an English particular Baptist, uh, he was a preacher, he was an author. He was born in 1640 in England. He died in 1704. Um, and probably what he's most well-known for is that he was the person who introduced hymn singing into the worship service. Um, and that's an amazing contribution. I'm a, I'm a man who loves hymns. And to think that this was the gentleman who first introduced that formally is pretty cool to think about. Um, now, Benjamin Keach himself, what do we know about him? A lot of people kind of characterized him or said he was kind of this argumentative individual, uh, that he's always entangled in debate. And that is true. Uh, Keech was. But I think it's important to understand that within its proper context. Um, Benjamin Keech was first and foremost a churchman. And so these debates, these confrontations that he's having, were always in defense of the church or the doctrines of the church. Um, you know, to know, to think about the fact that he was considered a churchman, I think, um, we don't think about that enough. We don't really use that term, a churchman anymore. Uh, but that's what he was known as. He was a man who loved the church and wanted to make sure that the church was protected, defended, and remained unstained. And so oftentimes this would come, um, to a head and he was not willing to. To back down from confrontation. And and honestly, in my opinion, I think we need more men like Benjamin Keach, men who are willing to roll up their sleeves and, uh, you know, mix it up in the godliest way possible, obviously, uh, but to seek to contend for the purity of God's church. Anyway, with that said, right, um, something that's really important for you and myself to know about Benjamin Keach is that he was just an average guy. He wasn't this big, amazing man that of, of God. He wasn't the Jonathan Edwards. He wasn't a George Woodfield. He was considered just an average guy by everybody. And, you know, I did some poking around and some research, and it seems that nobody could ever find any evidence that he even went to, like, seminary and got some kind of specialized, you know, university degree, a Master's of Divinity or what have you. And, uh, yet God used him powerfully. And that should be an encouragement for you. That should be an encouragement for myself because it reminds us that God can do great things for his kingdom with average people. You don't have to be, you know, the Paul Washers and the John Pipers of the world. We simply need to be faithful. And if we're faithful and we're devoted to God's word, and are willing to suffer for Christ and not back down, then you and I can be just as powerfully used as Benjamin Keach was by God during that time. Um, there's a really good book by uh, about Benjamin Keach, so if you check the show notes, I'll make sure to link that in there uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about him. But I just wanted to put a little bit of that uh, background in place to better understand this man and what it was... Um, that he was where, where he was, he was coming from. Um, so let's jump in, right? Um, God, true godliness described. Uh, and so in this short snippet, we're going to look at the main points that he put in the, here, uh, and discuss them. And so point number one was this. Benjamin Keach wrote, godliness consists in the right knowledge of divine truths or fundamental principles of the gospel." which all men ought to know and be established in that would be saved. Okay, so what he's saying here is that you and I as men must, and I really do mean must, be grounded in and have a knowledge of God's word. Like this is non-negotiable. We have to be grounded in God's word. He says a right knowledge of divine truths or fundamental principles of the gospel, which men ought to know and be established in. We have to be rooted, dug deep into these truths. Um, Keech then goes on to cite 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 reads, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness, he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. So he's talking there, obviously, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's interesting to note here is that Keach is making a direct connection between the gospel and godliness. He's saying that as men, if we don't have an understanding of the gospel, there is no way you and I are going to be able to grow in godliness. The gospel isn't simply the message that saves you. It is the message that continues to sanctify you, that continues to make you more and more like Christ. And so we should spend the rest of our lives in study of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. I went to seminary and out of all the classes i took there is no class that's dedicated to the gospel we don't spend even a whole we don't even spend a whole semester just studying the gospel and yet the gospel should be one of those things that we study the rest of our lives because we're going to marvel at the gospel of the lord jesus christ throughout all eternity but notice it's not just the gospel he also said these divine truths so that goes back that you know that makes my mind go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, verses 16 and 17 familiar verses but verses again that are just packed with truth let me read them All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, notice there's a lot that that verse says, but what it is saying outright is that the word of God supplies everything you and I need to be godly men and walk upright in the midst of a crooked culture. These divine truths, as Keach is saying, prepare us for godliness, a life of godliness. Now, if that is true and it is because God's word tells us it there is something that's required of us and that means we got to put the work in we need to show ourselves approved so again 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 tells us give me one second here my bible do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. Or 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing you will save both yourself and your hearers we're seeing here is that the word of God, the gospel of Christ, and our staying connected to it, going deeper into it and studying it, is what is going to bring us more and more and more into a place of godliness. Now in this snippet here, Keech outlines seven core doctrinal beliefs to further his point. And so number one, he says, right? These seven doctrinal points are, one, that there is only one true God and that he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Number two, he says that God, out of his love and his goodness, has given us one sure and infallible rule of faith and practice, which is the word of God. Number three, he begins to unpack here the doctrine of Christ, who Jesus Christ is. You know, so These divine truths to be established in, as it relates to Christ, we have to recognize that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Redeemer, that He is the only mediator between God and man. We have to recognize that Jesus is truly God and truly man, that He had two natures, but was one person, that He was born of a virgin, that redemption, reconciliation, and peace is only available through Jesus Christ alone. So, let me put it this way, Ben. If you and I get Jesus wrong, we get Christianity wrong. And so, it's imperative that you and I devote ourselves to the study and worship of Jesus Christ. Because if we get him wrong, we miss the whole thing. Now, There's a lot of resources out there. So if any of you are interested and want some help, kind of where should you begin to look or how should you begin to study who Jesus Christ is, feel free to send me a text message. Uh, Go on the website mensmuster.org and uh, shoot me a message through there. And I promise that I'll get some resources out to you. But again, number three for him was you have to get Jesus Christ right. Okay, doctrine number four, he says, is recognizing that justification and forgiveness of sin is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by the Holy Spirit alone. The doctrine of justification, especially during that time when Keech was arguing against, going against the Roman Catholic Church was an important one. Um, And it's equally as important today. People are always trying to do away with this doctrine, but justification by faith alone and the forgiveness of sin is, is, is crucial. Number five, Keech said that to be saved, you must be renewed, regenerated, and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So recognizing that the Spirit of God is the one who brings about uh, our salvation. Number six, that there's going to be a true bodily resurrection of all men on the last day. In number seven, he said that there is a day of judgment for everyone when Christ returns. Now, for the unbeliever, that day of judgment, it'll be a judgment of condemnation. But for those of us who by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, are saved, our judgment will be one of commendation. So, those are the seven kind of doctrinal points that Keats put out there. And I think they're solid, they're good. Um, but there's so much more you and I can put to that list. So what I'm going to suggest uh, is that you guys go ahead and grab yourself a copy of the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. And you begin read a section a day and work your way through the entire confession. You get to the end, start over again. Um, I use that part as part of my daily uh, time in the Word, part of my daily devotions, because it gives us a good framework to understand the doctrines That we as believers hold to. I want to do this here. If you're listening to this podcast, the first five of you who shoot me a message, email me, um, or hit me up on social media, I will send you a copy of the 1689. Um, I have some copies that I got from Founders Ministries. Would be happy to put that in your hands. Uh, So the first five of you that reaches out, I'll send you a copy of that, a little mustard care package. Um, But you can also go to uh, the founder's website, and that'll be in the show notes. You can buy a copy there. Or if you're more of a digital person, go over to the Men's Muster website, go to What We Believe, and you'll be able to download a PDF of the 1689. Um, but just to kind of summarize again, point number one for Keach here said that godliness consists in the right knowledge of divine truths and the gospel, and that we need to be established in those. Um, and so men... Let's be rooted in the word of God. All right, so the second point that he talks about here is he says, Godliness, as to his inward parts, is a holy conformity to the sacred and divine principles, which natural men understand not. So let me read that again. Godliness, as to his inward parts, right? So godliness as to who you are truly within is a holy conformity to the sacred and divine principles, right? So your inner being is shaped more and more into holiness based on the doctrine, the word of God that we just looked at in point one, we're absorbing. And that's super important, right? Um, Because informing our minds is not enough, Our hearts need to be conformed by truth. Our hearts need to be shaped by the truth of God's word. Our hearts need to be brought in submission to the word of God. And so Keech also makes the point that the natural man can't do it. He wants to make sure that we understand that if you are not saved by faith in in Christ, that you're not, if you're not born again and you're not filled by the Holy Spirit, your mind, your head may be able to grasp some of these doctrines, these theological truths, but your heart is going to continue to stay dead and unresponsive because you don't have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and then shapes the soul of man Right. So when we read our Bibles, we need to be reading with by faith because a supernatural thing is happening there. As we read, study, proclaim, share God's word, the Holy Spirit is working deep within us, shaping us and conforming us more into holiness. And so it's not simply a study of doctrine, but it is the marriage of doctrine and devotion. We have to have both an intellectual and experiential knowledge of God. Now, here's the thing. You can fake the first part. You can fake it and simply just fill your head with theological truths and share that with people. But what you can not fake is that experiential knowledge of God, walking with him day by day in good and bad times. In order to have that, One, you have to be born again. But two, you have to have humility. You have to be willing to submit to God's word. You have to be willing to obey God's word. And foundationally, you have to be desiring God above all else. It's a heart that seeks to grow in the knowledge of God so that you can grow for love for God, right? That's where it has to come from. I'm reading the Bible. I'm studying the Bible. I'm doing all these things not to get smarter, but to love God more for who he is. That's how holy conformity begins to get shaped in us. This holy conformity that Keech is talking about comes from you and I hating our sin and putting the knife to the throat of sin and slitting its throat. We have to be killing sin and holding fast to God. One of my favorite Psalms that really captures this is Psalm 73. When you get to verse 25, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We need to be wanting God more than we want anything else this world has to offer. In our inward parts, we need to take these sacred and divine principles, as Keech calls them, and internalize them in such a way by faith that the Holy Spirit then begins to shape and form holiness deep within us. And that happens when we love nothing more than we love God. We have to love God above all else. This is exactly what Jesus talks about in Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. Verse 37, when he writes this, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is what it means to desire and take these truths and plant them deep within us. To love God above all else and to want that shaped within us. That is what we, we strive for by faith. So, men, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself always, I pray this for myself, that we sacrifice anything that it takes so that we can be conformed more into the image of Christ, so that we can enjoy more of Christ for all that he is. All right, this brings us to point number three in Keech's uh, excerpt here. Um, And it says this, Thirdly, that you may have a complete and perfect knowledge of him. It may not be amiss if I describe his form together with the habiliments he continually wears. And so that's a bit confusing. I'll read it one more time, um, but it's kind of a wordy uh, point here, so we're going to unpack it. But let me repeat it one more time. Thirdly, that you may have a complete and perfect knowledge of him. It may not be amiss if I describe his form together with the habiliments habiliments," that he continuously wears. Okay, so the word habiliments right? That's an old word that's kind of used for apparel or garments that you wear that are fitting for an occasion. But the key to understanding this this phrase, this point here, point number three, is to remember that this is an excerpt from his book, which was an allegory. And in that book, true godliness is the name of the character, similar to how in Pilgrim's Progress, the name of the main character is Christian. And what he's saying here is that true godliness has been, that character was fashioned by God, just like you and I are fashioned by God. And God is wise, and God is good, and God is glorious. And so our outward life should appear in a manner that is in accordance or fitting to the glorious doctrines and divine and sacred truths contained in God's word. The glory of God that is seen in his word should also be seen in his people, is what he's trying to get at. And then Keech goes on, he gives a warning in this section, and he tells us how some people try to add or alter what God has already given to his people. And if we really think about it, right, Whether we're adding or altering or removing things from God's word, what we're really doing in that moment is denying the sufficiency of scripture. I want you guys to know God has given you and me everything we need in order to know him, worship him, and represent him with our lives. We lack nothing. Let me, let me share a direct quote from Keats in this section. He says, Besides, it reflects upon the wisdom of God to attempt to change or alter anything in the form of godliness, as if God did not know best how he himself would be worshipped, but must be indebted to man for his help, wisdom, and controversies touching many things that are called decent and necessary right when we when we alter when we remove when we add we're really saying we know better than god and that is such an arrogant sinful thing to do we have feet of clay god is omniscient he knows all he's perfectly wise and good god does not need us to add alter or remove he simply commands us to trust and obey now what Keech was talking about in the in, in his immediate context this was very much directed at the Roman Catholic Church during that time he says as much he says here nay there is indeed nothing more foreign to him than these pompous garbs superstitious vestments images crossing salt oil holy water and other ceremonies which are many which are by many thought necessary to his existence and so he took issue with the fact that so many within the Roman Catholic Church were adding and altering. And he was saying, no, God has given us all we need in his word. Today we do the same thing. We're in the same danger. We add to what God has given us. We alter what God has given us. And we do this by relying upon so many other things to somehow make us the men that God calls us to be or God desires us to be. Right, we we flock to the near to the newest secular leadership books, or the newest self-help or self-esteem books. Right, we uh we we copy the world's secular business practices, or we adopt worldly ideologies and philosophies. Right, this is at the very heart of so many uh, debating, you know, things like critical race theory right? Adopting certain ideologies. And we take them in thinking somehow they're going to help us in our pursuit of godly manhood when God has already made abundantly clear that we have all that we need, that he's supplied it all. He tells us this in 2 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 3. It reads as follows. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We don't need to go adding and altering. We just need to submit, obey, and trust. And then that can be formed in us. So, Right at twenty-seven minutes, I try to keep these under thirty. Let me close with this powerful quote by John Calvin. John Calvin writes, Let us so give ourselves to God to be ruled by him and taught by him, that contented with his word alone, we may never desire to know more than we find therein. No, not even if the power to do were given to us. This teach teachableness in which every godly man will ever hold all the powers of his mind under the authority of the word of God is the true and only rule of wisdom. Guys, I want you to go read uh, this snippet by Benjamin Keach. True Godliness Described. There will be a link in the show notes uh, so that you can read it. But again, these three points are huge. And if I could, ha- if I could summarize them quickly, it would simply be this. Point number one, be men of the word of God. Be well acquainted and established with these divine truths in the gospel itself. The second point was to not simply have those divine truths and, and, and knowledge of the gospel in our head, but have it in our hearts in such a way that it is shaping who we are, growing us in holy conformity. And then number three, Keach was telling us, that we have all we need to be clothed with the godliness that God calls us to because he's given it to us in his word so we don't need to add or alter to any of it. All right guys, looking forward to continuing the series uh, with you next week, but until then, grace and peace.